0: Good evening, it is Aurora on Bible reading, but it is a long passage, so I'll take one for the team and she'll take the other. <laughs> when the, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. This is a great passage. If you ever wondered how the church exploded so quickly, this is it. So get excited. When the day of Pentecost came... from every nation under heaven when they heard the sound a crowd came a, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't all these who are speaking Galileans then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language Parthians Medes and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, forgive my pronunciation here, (laughs) Frigga? I don't know. It doesn't sound right, whatever. (laughs) And uh, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Do you want me to hold that?
1: Peter's address to the crowd. Then Peter stood up with, um, el- with the eleven, raised his voice um, and addressed to the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain um, this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, what? No, no. This is um, what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God said, "says um, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will um, prophesy. Your young men will." See visions, your own men will um, dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, um, I will pour out on my spirit I, in those days, and they will prophesy. I I will show wonders to in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below, blood and fire and bellows of smoke. Um, I, the sun will turn to dark; will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood. But before the coming of um, the great and gro- glorious. Um, Day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
0: Amen.
2: Family Bible readings perhaps that's something we should look into that'd be very very good. Thanks guys they both did a great job and uh, that's why the pastors get members of the congregation to do the readings so that we can dodge all the difficult ones and uh, not have to make all those Very difficult pronouncements. Well, guys, first and foremost, I want to thank uh, those of you who are praying for Elena and I and family this week. It has been a very, very difficult week. And um, praise God, we're in the house. So uh, that's good. And um, things are now, well, over the next few days, will start looking like a home. But uh, we're very excited and uh, we're very, very thankful for God's richest blessing upon us in providing this house in such a very difficult market. But thank you for praying for us. Uh, The Lord has obviously heard your prayers and blessed us part of moving house is obviously things being misplaced and this week I actually did all my notes uh, longhand and I had a number of printouts and things like that when I sat down to actually type it all up tonight I don't even know where they are and uh, so unfortunately what I'm giving you this evening is a very abridged version of what it was going to be and uh, hopefully we can hear God's voice in the midst of it all and uh, we'll take something away from this so let's just pause and pray So, Lord, this is an incredibly powerful passage. And I pray, Lord, that your voice will come through for everyone who's gathered here this evening, that they will hear what you have to say to them, that, Lord, we will get a stirring in our hearts where we want the church that they had in Acts, where, Lord, we will desire Holy Spirit to come in such a real, powerful, palpable way that we're just brought to our knees before you. And, oh, Lord, we are pounding on the gates of heaven because we want more. Lord, let us be that church. Challenge us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. The basic setting for what happened in the passage that we read was that Jesus had told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem until he received the gift that God had promised to them. And so these guys were hanging about. They were told that John had baptized with water, but God God was going to baptize them very soon with Holy Spirit. And they had no idea what that meant. They had no idea what that was going to look like. So while they were waiting, preparing for what Jesus promised, they came together. It says that they fellowshiped with each other and they prayed together. That's in Acts 1.14. And they were united in their purposes in prayer. Now, we're not told what those purposes were. But when you think about it, they've just seen Jesus who they buried. They know he was dead and he rose to life again. And he has made them some statements to them about this Holy Spirit that's going to come upon them. What do you think they might have been praying about? I think they would have been praying about all the miraculous things that Jesus had done. They would have been thanking God for the statement that Jesus had made in their life. And they'd be praying for whatever was to come in the future. This power that they were told would come upon them so that they could proclaim the gospel message everywhere in the world. And I honestly believe that they were united in that. They came together and they're like, hey man, you're ready to pray about this? Let's get back into it. It's so exciting. Something's going to happen. Jesus is going to do it. And we can't wait for that to happen. They're really looking forward to it. I believe they would have been encouraging each other to press on. When you think about it, all these guys had a role that they could go back to. They could go back to fishing or whatever it was that they were doing before Jesus came. But instead they're in this room encouraging each other, spurring each other on, sharing what they had so that they could stay in that spot as they were told to. And they kept petitioning God, seeking him and serving each other in ways that brought honour and glory to God. And they also prepared for the work to come there was only 11 of them Judas had died and so they decided that they needed to replace him and they decided that they needed to appoint another Apostle and the definition of Apostle is someone who has seen Jesus from his baptism all the way through to his resurrection and ascension it's someone who had to see all of that to be appointed as an Apostle and so Peter stood up and said well guys we need to appoint someone to replace Judas and he quotes Psalm 109 8 uh, in support of that which actually says that they should do so and then in Acts 2 we get this incredible account of Holy Spirit being poured out freely on all believers not just a select few and what occurs is truly life transforming think about Peter what was he doing 50 days earlier He was betraying Jesus. Not once. Not twice. Three times. And why did he do that? Because he was scared. It's really that simple. He was worried about being persecuted, he was worrying about being caught up with what was going to happen to Jesus. And here's this guy something happens. On the day of Pentecost, he stands up in front of all these men. He rebukes them in a way and says, these guys aren't drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what it's about. And he proclaims this message. And he proclaims it so boldly and so powerfully, 3,000 men, not including women and children, 3,000 men were added to the church that day. And there's so many who actually say, well, this is when the church started. This is the founding day of when the church started. It could be true. Whatever the case, 3,000 were added to the church that day. So, we need to ask a few questions. What is Pentecost? If I was to ask you to tell me what Pentecost is, I think most of us gathered here today would say that it is a day when Holy Spirit was poured out upon man. Something that actually occurred on that first day in Acts, like the passage that we've just read this evening. And there's nothing wrong with it, that's exactly correct. There were other instances in Scripture of Holy Spirit being poured out upon people, but usually it came upon an individual. And in the Old Testament, most of the time, it came upon a prophet, a priest, or a king. It was very rare that it went other to other people in the Old Testament. But in this event in Acts, we see this new age being heralded. We see this new thing happening where Holy Spirit is not only going to come upon a few individuals, he's going to come upon all men who believe. Pentecost was one of three significant feasts that was in the Jewish calendar. There were plenty of others, but these feasts are very significant because in these feasts, every Israelite male who'd been scattered the world over had to return to Jerusalem. They had no choice. So for these three feasts, every Israelite male should have been back in Jerusalem. And that, I don't think that's any coincidence either, is it? So in Deuteronomy sixteen six. Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. Which one's Pentecost? It's fifty days after another one. What was the one when Jesus was crucified? It was the feast of unleavened bread. Wasn't it? The Passover. Yeah, which was part of that. So this one is actually Feast of Weeks, that's right. Because it is seven weeks after the Passover, 50 days. Okay, so they're all gathered there. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then 50 days later the Feast of Weeks and that's what we know as Pentecost. And Acts 1-3 tells us that he presented himself live to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So if Jesus appeared to them for 40 days after Passover, then it was only 10 days afterwards that we saw the Holy Spirit come. So Jesus had been ascended for 10 days when this event occurred. So what actually happened? Back in Acts 1.14, as I mentioned earlier, we're told that the disciples were all of one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. And here at the beginning of chapter two, we read out that we read out earlier. We see this. It says, "When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place." It's the same, hey. They're doing the same thing as what they were doing earlier. And I believe that they'd gathered together again to pray. They were longing for this gift that Jesus had mentioned to them. They were being faithful and obedient by not leaving Jerusalem, not going back to their jobs or anything like that. They said, we were told to wait. That's exactly what we're going to do. And they are proving their commitment to Jesus in being willing to be obedient and wait. Now, there's some debate as to whether it was the 12 that were in that one room or if it was actually the 120. To be honest, who cares? These people were gathered and they were praying together and they were all of one accord in the midst of that. The believers, let's call them that, we're not going to give a number. The believers were gathered and while they were praying in this house, the sound of rushing wind came. Have you ever had that experience? You know, it's this noise. It's, it's, it's... Who's been in a cyclone? Yeah, it's, it gets pretty noisy. And so these guys have got this sound of rushing wind and it's not only outside, it actually comes into the room. But guess what? There's no wind. Who'd be freaked out? I think I would. And, the, and, you know, because it's in the room, it just amplifies. It gets louder and louder and louder. And they're like, what is going on here? And then these tongues of fire distribute amongst them and they come down on their heads and it's like, who's freaking out now? I mean, I haven't got much, but I don't want what's there to be burned away. I mean, seriously, what's going on here? And then this power comes upon them. They, they just have this... Welling within them, they have to proclaim what they're being told to talk about, and they just start speaking, it's overflowing from them. And they proclaim the mighty works of God pretty standard for the apostles, but they're not talking their language, they're talking some other language. And you can imagine what that was like. You imagine if I'm standing up here and I'm speaking Cantonese, wouldn't that be a blessing? Anyway, and, and you know, so you're speaking another language and it's like, how's this happening? I, I, I haven't done this. I haven't trained for it. I've never spoken this tongue before. And while you're wondering about that, all these people are gathering. They're gathering because they heard the wind. They're gathering because they can hear the rabble of all your voices and everything like that. And suddenly they're like, hey, wait a tick. I'm hearing these guys speak in my heart language this is the language I think in this is my heart language and they're speaking about the incredible things that God is doing in my language and I've no doubt that a number of those guys would have had different dialects than that as well and in the midst of that they're hearing people proclaiming about God and his incredible works in their individual dialect isn't that incredible and so they come alongside and they're like what does this mean do you remember the other time that tongues were in Scripture You know, we used to have one language right across the world. And these guys got together and they said, you know what, we're so clever, we're going to build a tower to God. There is no way that we can possibly be stopped. We're going to do this thing. And uh, this is what the three in heaven decided to do. They said, let us come down, let us confuse language. And what happened? I think it was the quickest time a job was over, right on the spot. They all separated, went their own way. Nothing happened. You know, when Jesus says, I will make all things new, I will create unity, I will bring people back together. How cool is that? On the day of Pentecost, the thing that separated everyone, he flipped it on his head and he brought everyone back together. Because in this case, the language was confused. They couldn't understand each other. The building stopped. Those... Bonds and unities broke down all together. There was this barrier between them. And then when Jesus says, you know what? I'm coming for all men, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Nothing is going to prevent me from reaching those people. And he proves it on the day of Pentecost because who was there? All these young men, all these men who'd gathered from the ends of the earth, who had to be in Jerusalem on that day because that was what they had to do. And they were there and they heard the proclamation of Jesus Christ and the incredible things that God's doing in their own tongue. Jesus is all about renewing and restoring. He's about breaking down barriers. He's about drawing people together. And once, what once caused separation, what did it cause in this case? It caused awe and wonder. These people were like, what does this mean? This is incredible. What's it saying to me individually? And the tongue that is given is a sign to non-believers. Not believers, as you'll be told. The tongues were given as a sign to non-believers. They understood them. They heard The proclamation of God in their own language. And it drew them to the disciples. So, what did they do? How did they respond? Well, part of the crowd did this. They were amazed and they were perplexed and they said to each other, What does this mean? And they were amazed because they'd never experienced anything like this. Here are these Galileans speaking clearly and fluently and excitedly. In my native tongue. How does that even work? And that in itself is amazing. But they're not only speaking in a language I can understand. They're speaking about God. The good works that God has done. And when you think about the good works that God has done, they'd be talking about Jesus. The fact that Jesus ascended. The fact that he was raised from the dead. The fact that he died for their sins. So they're talking about what he had done. What he's doing right now. And what he's going to continue to do. But on top of all of this, they're going, why? What's this all mean? But then there was another part of the crowd that said this. Ah, they've been filled with wine. It's incredible, hey? And there's people like this even today. Right in front of them is this incredible miracle. Miracle. And they can't deny that. They can hear the voices as clearly as everyone else. Those guys aren't speaking with a slur. Those guys aren't staggering around. This is clearly something that's amazing. But instead of going with that, instead of being drawn to it, instead of being inquisitive, they start mocking. And when people start mocking, what they say when they stop and think about it it usually makes them end up looking pretty silly. As I said, these disciples were speaking fluently, clearly, passionately in another language and it wasn't because they were drunk. If that was the case, I'd learn as many languages as I could. When I took my Greek exam, maybe I should have got drunk or something. would have done a lot better. But it's totally illogical, isn't it? It just doesn't make sense. But the thing is, if you don't want to believe in God, if you want to push back against that, what option do you have? You have got to make up some stupid story in order to justify not accepting what's before you. But then Peter gets up to speak. What language did Peter speak when he got up? English. English? Is that like Australian or Kiwi? Uh, definitely Australian, I read it. Sweet. Oh. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> He gets up to speak and I mean who knows what he said I don't think it matters I think what matters is what the people heard because it seems like they all heard it another miracle and, and I'm like what, what is going on in the midst of this this is absolutely amazing it must be a work of God eh but anyway whatever language you spoke I'll leave that up to you and all these people who were gathered from the ends of the earth they're intrigued and they're standing before Peter and they're hearing this message they want to know what's going on and Peter starts telling the naysayers you know what you're wrong It's too early in the morning. These people aren't drunk. I mean, listen to them. Seriously. There's no way that that's going to happen. And he says, you you guys know from Scripture. And then he quotes Joel. He says, this is what we were told was going to happen. This is the way God is going to work his plan out. This is how he's going to bring you back into relationship with him. And then he goes on and tells them the rest of the points about this man, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, he is the son of God. You crucified him. You killed him. But God raised him up. You better repent and get baptized. Repent, baptized. Repent, baptized. Shy little Peter. Peter, who betrayed Jesus because he was scared, stood up in front of a crowd, could have been six, seven thousand people, we don't know. There was three thousand men that came to faith, it was possibly a lot more. And potentially, these are the same people who 50 days earlier were crying out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! But Peter, so bold, so confident, because of Holy Spirit, empowered by him, nothing and no one would have been able to stop him. And 3,000 men were added to the church that day. So, what about us? The same Holy Spirit that was poured back—sorry—the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the disciples back on that day at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that's poured out on us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Do you believe that? Amen. Okay. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the disciples that day has been poured out on men and to give us comfort, encourage us, empower us and guide us to proclaim the message that God entrusted to us. Do you believe that? A few less believe that. The same Holy Spirit that added 3,000 men to that church that day is continuing to build the church today. Do you believe that? Amen. Let me ask you one more question. No, that's not true. I'm going to ask you a lot more. Do you want Holy Spirit to do again the work that he did back in the day on Pentecost? Yeah? Nod your heads. I'm not getting a lot of yeses verbally. Yeah, okay. So we've got a fair chunk of the church that really do actually want that. We have to commit to a few things if we want that to happen. Not only in Scripture, but in history. Every outpouring of Holy Spirit, every revival, if that's what you want to call it, has commenced when people got on their knees, has commenced when people gathered together and you said, you know what, Lord, we're united in this one purpose. We want you to come. We want you to start with us. We want you to humble us before you so we can be your people in this place and proclaim your word to the world never been a revival without it even the Billy Graham crusades all those millions of people he refused to go to towns where they wouldn't pray and the churches come together for that purpose to support those who came to faith we must be a people who commit to prayer what were the disciples doing before this happened I don't know if that was a time of Jesus saying, well, are they serious? Are they going to get down on their knees? Are they going to do what they're supposed to be doing? But they were one accord. They were gathered together. They were sharing their belongings. They were open with what they had so they can build each other up and strengthen each other in the faith and in life itself. And they were praying. I want to share with you, we have a prayer meeting every morning up in the boardroom. 8 o'clock for the 8.30, 10.30 services. Everyone's welcome. We'd love to see as many people there as possible. We started a 6.30 service prayer meeting. We met at 6 o'clock just out here. I'm thinking of changing it out there. We'll, we'll see what happens. We only get a few people come along to that. Everyone's welcome. And I've got to tell you, we've had some awesome prayer times. We had one a few weeks ago. And, oh, It's one of the best prayer meetings I've ever been to. It was just amazing. God is doing incredible work but we've got to be committed to that we've got to be willing to pray for that it'd be great to see us living out what we say we want It'd be great where people could say oh it's so good to see these people praying it's so good to see these people desiring God it's so good to see them wanting to draw closer to God we have our prayer and praise nights for young adults which are fashioned and designed for young adults. If you come up and you're not a young adult, we're not gonna kick the door in your face and throw you down the stairs. Come along, share with us, enjoy that time together. We've had those now for, it's getting on to 12 months, and they're great times of encouraging and strengthening each other in the faith. The lace Ladies had a prayer and praise night recently, resounding success, they had over 30 people there. They're gonna do that again. So if you wear a dress, we'll leave it at that. Come along to the Lace Ladies. Enjoy a night of prayer and praise. You'll hear when they're going to have the next night very, very soon. We're going to start a corporate prayer meeting. That's going to be every second Saturday. It's going to be at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll get notifications in the church services. We'll put it in the bulletin. We'll have an announcement up here. Come along. Spend some time praying together, seeking God, what he would have us to do. I think we have to be committed to that. It was so encouraging and so exciting when we had the four days of prayer to have 160 people come along. Sorry, that's not right. It was 150. It was 160 non-Christians prayed for. 150 people came along. Isn't that incredible? And that shows that people got a heart for prayer. And we've got to be committed to that. We can't let it slip. We can't make it a one-a-year event. We've got to be plugged in. And I'm not going to be checking off a list saying, oh, this person didn't come. We, we, we need people to engage when they can. And if you'd love to be involved in the times that we have prayer meetings, you can't be there, come and see us. Maybe there's another way that we can do it. Maybe there's another time we can have it. We really want people to be praying. We really want people to be committed to the things that God would have us to do. And it's when we're on our knees that God's going to be able to do great things amongst us. Think about what happened when those disciples were on their knees. Holy Spirit came, this incredible work began... The people outside responded, because they saw something that was amazing. Do you think people are amazed at us? A little bit. We've got some good things happening here. Kids club's incredible. I, I, I haven't been involved just been away those times, but it's incredible to see how many people come along to hear the stories that are told and things like that. Carols, we get a whole heap of people from the community coming. That is absolutely fantastic. Our kids' church is absolutely brilliant. And there's all these things that are happening. We want people to engage with that. We want people to see more about what we're doing here, not just to say you're great people. We want them to see God. That's what it's all for. If we're not achieving that, let's kill the lot of it and be done with it. Let's get back to doing things that point people to our Lord and Saviour. People can't be amazed at us. Same Holy Spirit, same potential. We just got to release ourselves. Are we truly being obedient to God? Those guys, the disciples will be obedient. They stayed in Jerusalem. They're doing exactly what God had told them to do. Are we being obedient to God, what he's called us to do? And that's up for you as an individual. I don't know what God has placed on your heart or life. I don't know what he's called you to, but we need to be obedient to what he's saying. When we think back to that day when Peter got up and proclaimed the message of Jesus, what did he call people to do? He called them to, be, to repent and be baptised. I might have said that once or twice tonight. We have this attitude where baptism comes down the track. Baptism is a step of obedience to God in response to giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptised, please pray to God. Ask him to show you the truth because you believe you get baptised. That's the way it works. And I would love to baptise as many people as possible. I don't have to do it. Just seeing people baptised, I love it. And it's just a step of obedience you know there's no holy water there's no getting to a certain point in your Christian walk there's no special call to be baptized you believe you get baptized it's really that simple so it's a step of obedience and it's not an obedience to Charlie you're not doing it because I said to get baptized don't worry about this this is fine yeah you know, yeah that's good at least we got one down the front <laughs> You, you go to churches, I, I used to go to a lot of little churches when I was in Gladstone, long before I was a pastor, and you'd preach in Agnes Water, uh, the, the church there, and you'd have like seven kids just crawling across the stage in front and everything like that. They are never disruptive, they are just having fun. So yeah, don't worry about the kids, it's fantastic. It's good to have kids in our church. Amen, amen. Alright, so believe, get baptised. Also... Think about God's timing. You know, we can pray and petition. We can't give up. Everything is in God's timing. We are before him and he makes the decision in the end. Think about what happened when the day of Pentecost occurred, when Holy Spirit came. It was perfect timing. And I don't know if the disciples, you know, it's 10 days down the track, nothing's actually happened. But this is the perfect time for the gospel message to go from Jerusalem and explode out to the rest of the world because gathered there are all these people from the ends of the earth. Those 3,000 were people who had a different dialect and a different language by the sounds of it to local Jerusalem. And they were taking the gospel message back to where they came from. That was God's perfect timing. And so we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to believe that he's called us to a thing and we just keep praying and keep praying until he answers it in his time. Think of all the heroes in the Bible who were given these great promises and never saw it themselves. They look forward to it in faith. And God delivered. If he says it, he'll do it. And there's one thing more we need to be aware of, the naysayers. There are people who are going to say, you don't need to do that. Don't go down that path. Don't get too serious about church and faith and stuff. They're naysayers. Don't listen to them. They're not on the side of God. It's really that simple. And you need to do what God is calling you to do. You need to listen to God. And those people who are saying things like that, I want to know who they are. I'm sure the other pastors and the leaders will want to know who they are because they're not doing godly things. We have some work to do. And I'd really like to start tonight We are a people who should have hearts that want to please God. We should want to gather together to pray. We want to pray that God breaks all the chains, anything that holds us back, anything that's binding his people. We should pray that he humbles us. We should pray that he humbles the pastors, including Charlie. We should pray that he calls us to a new season, a season with him where Holy Spirit is given full access to each of our lives, where we open ourselves fully to him. And Holy Spirit can then come and work powerfully in, through, and around us. So we should pray that he breaks us so that we repent, that we turn away from our wrongdoing, and that we're released then to do his work, the work that he's always planned for us to do. And then the fruit of the Spirit... We won't even have to ask whether it's been manifested in people's lives. We'll see it. And we will be praising God for the progress that people are making with him. We'll be encouraging and strengthening each other in the faith. And we will gather more and more and more. And we'll continue to tell good news stories about what God is doing. We'll be encouraging each other and spurring each other on in the faith. So I'm calling the worship team up. I'd like them to come up right now. And uh, you can get ready to play the last song. I'm not praying, I'm not closing the service in prayer because I'm going to come down here and after these guys do this last song, I'm going to turn a couple of these chairs around and I'm going to be sitting there and I want you to come down and I want us to pray. And I don't care how many come, if I'm on my own, so be it. But if you genuinely want this, if you want that church to be this church, let's gather for prayer after the service. Thank you.